Hi, it's Marco here. Just before we get started with this episode, I wanted to let you know that this episode is available on our YouTube channel as a video podcast as well. So you can see not only myself and Tarek, but this week's brilliant guest. So head on over there. We've put a link in the podcast description and you can watch this episode as well as listen to it. So why not do that and uh, give us a follow while you're there? That would be great. But now we'll get straight into the episode. Hello and welcome to a special episode of Page One Extra, the show that brings you the latest writing news. I'm Tarek. I'm Marco and thanks for joining us for this episode which is going to focus on the one big issue that's affecting lots of writers right now, the Hollywood writer's strike. Yes, as we mentioned in our last episode, the Writers Guild of America voted for a strike to start in May unless their demands were met and unfortunately they've not been. So we're seeing creatives from across Hollywood and beyond swap their pens for the picket lines as they make their voices heard. Yeah, so we're going to give you the full lowdown on why the strike's happening, what the writers want, and what might happen from here. That's right, and we're going to be joined by one of Hollywood's top screenwriters to discuss what's happening, why it matters to creatives, and what you can do to show your support. So, without further ado, let's get straight into it. At the end of April, the 11,500 members of the Writers Guild of America overwhelmingly voted to strike unless an agreement could be reached the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. When that agreement failed to materialise, writers downed their tools and took to the streets with picket lines forming in New York and LA. So how did we get here? Well, as we reported last episode, despite the boom in TV viewing largely thanks to streaming, writers' pays failed to keep pace with the huge growth that big studios and corporations have seen. So where, for example... A TV writer previously got paid for a 22-episode series with residuals for reruns. The advent of streaming, so beloved by so many viewers, has meant shorter runs and no or much lesser payments for repeated viewings. At the same time, the work on these streaming episodes can be as intensive, if not more so, than the previous approach, with complicated long-form stories being told. Now, there can be a perception that if you write on a successful TV show or a movie, then you must be rich. And that is far from the case. Uh, Alex O'Keefe, for example, worked on the hugely successful The Bear, showered in awards, and when those award ceremonies came around, O'Keefe had an overdraft, had to wear a bow tie bought on credit. In other words, he was broke. So what are the writers asking for? Well, as you can see here, their demands include theatrical terms with better initial compensation and residuals for any streaming movies with a budget of over $12 efforts to preserve writing rooms for episodic TV with guaranteed minimum staffing for writers and guaranteeing writers hired for episodic TV a minimum number of consecutive paid weeks of work. Other demands include a better share of foreign streaming residuals and pension and healthcare contributions. To date, the proposals from the AMPTP haven't gone anywhere close to what writers are asking for and so we could be here for a long standoff. Another of the big areas of contention revolves around the use of AI in writing. Writers want regulation around its use and don't want AI used to write or rewrite literary material or provide source material for writers to rewrite. And writer's material shouldn't be used to train AI. All that the MPT have offered in response to this is an annual meeting to discuss advancements in technology. And the concerns around AI aren't so much about scripts themselves being written by AI, not at this stage at least, but the hiring of writers to improve an AI idea or draft because rewriting normally pays a lot less and it's not clear who would actually be credited as the writer in this sort of situation. 
However, that hasn't stopped some from saying that writers are entitled and that this new technology is going to level the playing field. There seems to be this idea that um, AI can do as good a job and that writers have had it too easy for too long, and it frankly is quite depressing. I did see a good response to this, saying something along the lines of, yes, maybe AI could help someone who can't write produce something that's a serviceable idea, but doing that is the same as me buying a pair of football boots and thinking that I'm suddenly Lionel Messi. That's a football reference, Tarek. Oh, okay, thanks. I wasn't sure there. Um, now, all of this brings back some bad memories of the 2007 writer strike, which lasted 100 days before being resolved and badly affected TV production and movies. Now, as we'll hear from our guests later on, 2008 brought some of the worst movies in the past years and as a result of studios trying to press on without those writers on hand. So it may seem that there's plenty of reason to be despondent as a writer right now but i think the the wga members can take heart from the fact that nearly every other major industry union such as the directors guild of america the producers guild and more have come out in support of the strike yeah there seems to be a real momentum here behind the writers and you know they've been here many times before leading the way and the fight for those working in the industry around them and past writer strikes have achieved so much for everyone in the industry In 1953, the strike brought about the first agreement to pay TV residuals, with later strikes increasing the amount of those residuals. In 1973, that brought about a health fund for writers, and in 2007, it ensured at least some residuals for new media, including streaming. It can only be hoped that this latest strike, in which the writers are seeking what amounts to only 2% of profits, not even revenue, leads to similar success, as success for them means success for all of those who want to work in the industry. And I think, you know, it's obviously a big issue that's happening in Hollywood here. And like I I just said there, I think it seems to me that the writers are on the front line of something that's possibly going to affect all of the people working in Hollywood and possibly beyond as well. Yeah, I think this is... You know, I mean, I said last week that I didn't think this strike would go ahead. So obviously, ignore everything that I think about this. (laughs) But, you know, there does come a point where you think if you've got people who are making these shows, who are writing these shows, who are given the content, which without the content, the show wouldn't even exist in the first place. You know, if they're rocking up to award ceremonies, recognising how good a job they've done and how much money they've made for the corporations and they can't even afford to buy a bow tie, like there's something, there's a fundamental disconnect there. It It doesn't seem to work, does it? Especially when you're seeing how much these these CEOs are getting paid. Oh, I think I saw yeah. that, uh, is it David Zaslav, the WB Discovery guy? I think he was getting paid something like $273 million or something yeah, like that. Which is, you know, and 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 then at the other end, the, the person that wrote the Bears having to borrow or loan a bow tie. It's, it's yeah. ridiculous. And without the writers, without the other parts of the industry, these things can't progress. So I don't know. There does seem to be a massive disconnect between what the people at the top think can work. And I just fear that they think that, oh, here's AI, this can do the, the job for us. And I think yeah. they're going to be in for a bit of a nasty surprise when they when they actually read it, what uh, the sort of efforts <laughs> that AI puts out. And, and I think there's also, there's, there's also a good point to be made, I think, where you've got what do people, what do the public perceive? What yeah. do they you know, what do they view as either what they think a writer gets paid as it is or how important do they think a writer is? And I think I think this is a good way to educate the public as to the role of a writer, um, the impact that a writer has on a show, what bad writing can do to a show or a film and, and, and how how valued these people need to be and how important and how 
properly paid. I mean, they're not asking for to get paid the same as a movie star. They're just asking to get paid enough to live a life. Well, that's it. And I think there is, as we'll hear very shortly from our guest, uh, there's a perception that if you work in the industry, yeah, then you're making lots of money automatically. But, you know, the example of Alex O'Keefe on The Bear is a good one that shows yeah. that that isn't always the case. So I think we've rambled on enough about this. I think it's time we brought in an expert to discuss this. Whew. Joined now by the author of books such as Sea of Rust and Day Zero and films such as Sinister, Doctor Strange and The Black Phone. Uh, he's also a former guest on the sister podcast, Page One, the writer's podcast. And it's a great pleasure again to welcome C. Robert Cargill back to the podcast. And he's going to hopefully tell us a bit more about what's happening in Hollywood right now. Thanks very much for joining us, Cargill. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you guys for having me again. Uh, and um, obviously big stuff happening in in Hollywood with the WGA strike and you've been tweeting about it and stuff but do you want to summarize how we've got to this position well how we got to this position is uh, that there's two prongs to this first of all is uh the WGA struck back in uh 2007 and 2008 and the principal thing they were fighting for there was uh digital rights residuals and the like pay for work online at the time I was a, a film critic and I didn't even have my head wrapped around what it was hmm. uh, and what they meant by that, because it wouldn't be until 2011 till Netflix would be making its own streamable content, content that was never aired on television or appeared in cinemas. That wasn't something there were people like us saw the future coming in the form of movies would eventually be able to be downloaded to your television. Yeah. We didn't fully understand where streaming was going and how quickly it was going. And neither did anyone else. Uh, the, the Writers Guild was the only guild to get its foot in the door and get a sliver of residuals. But in doing so, what they did is they created a special category called uh, emerging technology. And that was, hey, you companies don't have to pay the same rates as network television or as the movie studios because you guys are a startup. You guys are experimenting and we want to help this. Well, that was 2007 and 2008. It is now 2023. Streaming is the most dominant way of watching anything. Mm -hmm. and, and they're still paying reduced rates. Mm -hmm. um, and in addition to that, we've changed uh, the format of the way television works. In the old days, uh, a regular television show would have 22 episodes, uh, uh, maybe 24 episodes. It was a really popular show. Uh, and then you'd have reruns, as you remember. You'd repeat each one probably once. And you'd have sweeps week, you know, the big week where it was all the big uh, cliffhangers. Yep. Um, and that's how it was done. And we were paid a rate based on which episodes we wrote. Uh, and then weekly rates for working in the room, whether we got an episode to air or not in television. Well, now shows are six, eight or 10 episodes. Mm -hmm. uh, they are not 22 episodes anymore. Those rates have not changed. And so these writers who are coming up and writing your favorite television shows are getting paid for working 10 weeks or 20 weeks instead of 40 weeks mm -hmm. and for writing one show out of six or eight. Um, and so those rates that used to exist and used to provide a very strong middle-class income to writers now you've got writers who are literally writing your favorite shows, who are uh, food prepping every Sunday so that they can eat that week, who are living in low rent uh, apartments. There's the famous story going around. One of the writers of The Bear was, yeah. Yeah, went to uh, the award ceremony in a suit his family had to buy him. 
He literally wrote one of the best episodes of television of last year, and he couldn't afford his own suit and had $6 in the bank. And that is quite literally where we are right now. So we've got all these, these writers who are writing great stuff, but the system's changed. And we're saying now that everything's changed, we're okay that it's changed. We're not saying go back to the old way. We're saying pay us fairly now yeah. for the way it's the new way because we're not being paid fairly. And so that's that's how we got here. And and just as sort of the the 2007-2008 strike was sort of in anticipation of this change to uh, technology change to streaming and stuff like that, there is a technological side to this strike as well in the sense of there's a great concerns about AI. And I know you've spoken about this, but I wonder if you want to expand on what those concerns are. Yeah, it's there's a lot of confusion around it. Uh, there's also information, uh, misinformation about it. There have been people who have been seeding stories about uh, the WGA's objections, which are wrong. And so everyone's confused and it's understandable. Uh, the objection is this. Uh, the Guild has asked uh, all the networks, the studios, the streamers, hey, whatever you do, don't hand us uh, computer generated scripts to rewrite. Uh, that no writer should be given something that came out that, that got spat out of a chat GPT or something. Uh, that generative AI should not be generating the first drafts of things. Uh, and also that our scripts that are covered by uh, all sorts of IP laws, you know, the, the, these laws that we have that protect you from rewriting your own movie called Sinister and rewriting it as Sinister 2 and putting it out, those laws should also protect our work from uh, being fed into the computer to be spat back out of us. Um, and so those are the two things we've asked for, uh, the Guild has asked for rather. Um, uh, I'm not on the board, so I can't speak for them. But that's what the Guild has asked for. That's what we want. And the studios and producers said, no, uh, we're mm -hmm. not going to promise not to do that. And, and as I said publicly before, you know, it's uh, when, you ask, when you're dating somebody and you ask them, will you please not cheat on me? And they go, I won't promise you that. <laughs> that's, that's a big red flag. It's a huge red flag. Um, and that's literally what happened with us was we said, please don't do this. And here's why. Because there's the next question that people have is, well, why is that a big deal? Um, we have very rigid rules uh, governing who gets what credit for what. Mm -hmm. So if I write a script, um, and I sell it to producers and producers are like, oh, Cargill, we're going to go make this movie. We're going to make it with you. And then somewhere down the road, they go, you know, Cargill just isn't delivering the drafts on the script we want. We're going to bring in another writer. Well, they bring in another writer and they write on, on this. He or she writes on it. Um, and that doesn't work out. And they bring in another writer and another writer. We have very rigid rules on who gets credit because there might be someone along the line that, that rewrote so much of that script that every draft after that is essentially theirs and not mine. Mm -hmm. And so we have these rules governing who wrote it, who created it, who gets credit, and thus who gets paid residuals off it, who gets paid any bonuses off it if it does well. Um, and if you have chat GPT write a script, who wrote that script? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you hire someone like me to come in afterwards and go, Cargill, we know this is your rate for writing a script, but we also know this is your rate for re rewriting a script. So we've written the script already with a computer. We just need you to make it sound more human and also make it not suck so much. <laughs> um, and that's, that's the big fear right there, yeah. is that young writers are going to be exploited to come in and rewrite these generated things. Do all the heavy lifting because these, you know, the the... The generating of a script 
you know, isn't the hard part. You know, we have these things in the industry we call vomit drafts, which is you sit down, you write your hundred pages or you write your novel, you just get it out there, even if it's bad. And then you go back through and you go, okay, this is bad, this is bad. Ooh, this is good. How can I make this work? And you go and do that. Well, what they're essentially doing in this process is asking us to do all that heavy lifting, but calling it a rewrite. And that is a problem. And it's scary because what it's going to do is, as, as any technology does, when you add technology to the market, it removes labor from the market. Mm-hmm. And what studios like is, oh, it can be cheaper and it can be faster. Well, what that means is more voices are going to be stripped out of Hollywood. So there's a lot of people out there that are like, all Hollywood movies sound the same. And it's like, you think they sound the same now? Wait till there's a hundred white guys rewriting chat GPT. <laughs> like that's that's what we're looking at. That's the, that's yeah, the yeah. scary future. And yeah. so we're talking about, you know, if this happens and this goes forward, we're talking about, you know, uh, one person asked me, well, don't you think that's going to remove a lot of the bad writers from the writer's room? And it's like, well, sure. But it'll also remove the expensive writers. It's going to remove the minority writers who are marginalized. It's going to remove, you know, the, the the struggling writers who are good, but are necessary for a room, but, but maybe can't keep up with chat GPT. And all of a sudden you're going to end up with just the writers who are willing to work for that low wage and rewrite other people's other computer stuff. Um, and that's before the big problem that generative AI is essentially pulling information from all over yeah. and it doesn't know the difference. There's a great example this weekend, the great cat spy, uh, where somebody said, go ahead and make me a two minute trailer for a movie set in the thirties called the great cat spy. And in it, there's all these weird scenes that's kind of set in the 1930s, but you actually have a scene where a famous movie scene is recreated, you know, plagiarized whole hog of the famous mm-hmm. scene of DiCaprio with yeah. the with the martini glass, you know, toasting the camera. And uh, and it just redid that. So it's original, right? No, it was literally taking this famous image it saw all over the place and said, oh, this is what the 30s looks like, not knowing that it was doing creating a straight lift. Um, and so that's another fear is that if you have generative AI spitting out these scripts, uh, you don't know how much of that comes from somebody else's writing. You don't know if that great joke that that the, the AI spit out that you think is accidentally funny was actually from a television show you don't watch. Yeah. That, that, that ChatGPT just said, oh, this, is, this seems popular. And, uh, and then now you're plagiarizing. Um, and if you plagiarize someone's work through generative AI, is that plagiarism, if you say, oh, I didn't know, well, of course it's still plagiarism. You still took somebody else's dialogue and put it into your own product. So, um, so that creates that problem as well. So until AI is further down the road, it's not even a great tool for us writers to use to, to just screw around. Mm -hmm. So it really is in its infancy and we are doing as a guild what we did 15 years ago with streaming and getting ahead of the game before there's a problem. Um, now I've heard, uh, you know, a couple of days ago I was interviewed and someone said, Hey, have you ever been offered this? Or have you heard about it happening? I'm like, I haven't heard about it happening yet. We're just worried that it's happening. And then when I said that a bunch of people came out of the woodwork and said, Oh no, this company, this company, and this company have already oh, wow. started doing this. So people are doing it. 
Um, and uh, uh, I think I, as someone I know is doing a podcast about it and uh, they tend to break news and I think they may be naming names. Oh, so nice. we, we might start hearing about this and there might be some naming and shaming going on. But it's it really is one of those situations where it's not that the industry opposes technology. It's that we want to make sure the human element isn't erased um from the uh from the profitability of the uh the industry because this is a very profitable industry if you are very good at it and work very hard you can become wealthy doing it uh there are a number of wealthy people in hollywood but not nearly as many as people think and that's one of the big things is there's this big divide that people are like oh you work in hollywood you must be rich and it's like it, you must be kidding. Um, the number of friends I have that live in, you know, uh, low rent apartments that barely can get by that work on stuff that you've heard of, that you've seen and enjoyed, um, that are struggling. And really the bulk of everything we're fighting for here is to raise their minimums so that they can live a middle-class life doing a job that everybody thinks they should be living a wealthy life for. And that's the crazy part about this whole thing is we keep getting accused of being the rich people in this. And really, there are so many of our members who are the opposite of that. And so those of us who have done well, we have to stand up and we have to be loud and we have to fight for them. And that's what we're doing right now. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible that in the in the so-called golden age of TV and stuff that, that this is the situation. You know, the, the writers go in the report sort of highlighted the the differences in what people are actually getting paid compared to what the people at the top are getting and the success of these companies is obviously bigger than it's ever been but the writers seem to be right down at the bottom in terms of what is what what is being taken home and yet without the writers none of that would be possible even in the face of what people think ai is is going to replace them but as you've pointed out it's not it's not quite that simple yeah yeah a lot of people think it's we just don't want computers writing our content and of course we don't uh, but there's always going to have to be that human element that stands between the computer and you know the the film and say wait a second no uh that's taken out of context wait you're not supposed to say that um no this is inappropriate this is tasteless or it's just that not how people talk but um that's not really the fear the fear is really about the exploitation of young writers um, and that's, uh, uh, and, and we are an industry that I wouldn't say we're the lowest, uh, there are, you know, several other parts of this industry that also suffer and several of them have, uh, have their, uh, contracts coming up soon. So we are definitely talking with them and looking to fight with them, uh, on this, but yeah, it is, it's crazy to think about that when you sit down to watch a show, you think everybody on this show must be doing really well. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of the times they really aren't. And uh, and and it's hard to believe, but it's it's really true. So I mean, we've got the strike going on just now. It started as of Tuesday, um, and what's the impact going to be? You know, we've already seen immediate stuff. We've got late night shows, uh, the Late Show, etc., which need those kind of daily writers to give the content. Those those have stopped. Um, but what's going to happen further down the line as the strike keeps going? Well, if the strike keeps going. Uh, and we don't know how long it's going to last. Mm -hmm. um, what we saw back in 2007 and 2008, um, in 2008, we had the worst summer for movies. Uh, I'm going to name three movies right now, all that you guys have heard of, and you're going to be like, oh, oh right. <laughs> uh, that were all movies that they decided to keep shooting, even though they didn't have a script. Um, and they are Transformers 2, Quantum mm -hmm. of Solace, and The Wolfman. 
these are three movies that all we look back and go yeah. oh yeah no yeah. we we paid fifteen dollars to sit down and watch that movie and that movie wasn't any good because that movie had a script that was damaged by uh um uh, uh by the strike um and uh and not really damaged by the strike and that's uh, let me take that language back because it was damaged by the fact that the studios moved forward uh yeah. shooting a film rather than um uh making an, a, an earlier agreement with us um and they could have decided not to shoot but they were like nope we gotta hit that date we put out already mm -hmm. and then that's what happened um you know as uh, uh uh as a famous video game designer once said um you can be late as many times as you want but you can but sucking is forever and um <laughs> and that's very much what's gonna what's gonna happen starting this this uh late fall christmas um you know having worked in the marvel machine marvel movies are rewritten up until they're locked they're, they're yeah. constantly making the movie better and better and better and the reason why marvel movies have been so consistently entertaining is because of that process but now they can't do that and so any movies that are in post-production right now that are relying on that process do not have writers to punch them up they do not have writers there to help fix the movie and you're going to start seeing a drop in quality in movies um overall a lot of television shows some of your favorite shows will take six eight months before uh you get a new season to binge um that's what's going to happen uh last a lot of people are talking about reality television reality television was already a big thing at the time they just exploited it for two seasons none of the reality tv shows that came out in it during the strike that were like oh we're going to put reality tv on were the big hits mm -hmm. and all the all the big hits were stuff that was already a big hit like pop idol uh, uh what we call american idol over in the states uh that kind of stuff were the big hits but a lot of the things that were generated there didn't stick around because nobody really wanted them. I don't think that's a real concern here. I, I just think we're what you're looking down the barrel of is paying some money for a movie that probably needed a couple extra rewrites. Mm -hmm. And and what's the difference with, with streaming this time around? Because you've got places like Netflix and Amazon, et cetera, who have got a lot of content sitting there. You know, Is that going to make a difference in terms of people? There's not the same weekly viewing pattern that might get disrupted this time around. You know, you've got this content sitting in the bank. Well, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of ifs there. That's that's a real question because yeah, they they have a lot of stuff banked, but they're they're look at their release schedule. You know, Netflix is putting out new content every day, every other day. Mm -hmm. What happens when they have to stretch that out to every four or five days? What happens when the numbers on that drop? You know, when people start going to other streaming services to check out their stuff instead of going to Netflix because they've already seen everything on Netflix they wanted to see. Um, one of the things that people have pointed out is that Netflix and Amazon weren't here for the last strike. Mm -hmm. They don't they don't know what it's like. They think they can ride this out based upon the material they have, not realizing that they will then hit that wall where they're going to if we've settled the strike by then, they're going to be finish it, finish it now. We have we have to put out content. People are canceling. Also, what we have now that we did not have in 2007, 2008 is the ability to say, hey, Netflix doesn't want to pay the people writing your, your favorite shows. Maybe you cancel for a few months. What mm -hmm. happens then? Maybe you cancel Amazon. Maybe you cancel Hulu. Like you guys can keep that extra money. You can actually save money and protest. Um, uh, and, and that was something you couldn't do before. You couldn't say, I'm going to I'm going to cancel NBC. I'm going to cancel the Paramount. No, you couldn't do that. But the streamers, there's a very big weapon. There's a hammer in the back that can be pulled out if this gets nasty. And I, I, you've, I've already seen people starting to talk about it, but it hasn't 
gained a lot of momentum because we're still very early and there's the hope that we can have a very quick resolution that everybody comes back to the table. Um, but that's that's what I think is the streamers, the streamers, while they do have that content sitting around at the same time, they can also be canceled at any minute, unlike yeah. everyone else. So yeah. it's a it's a double edged sword. And it seems like obviously there's, there I've, I've seen the um, sort of table that the WGA has put out in terms of what the what they ask is and what the what the offer has been thus far. Mm-hmm. And there's quite a big gap between parties at the moment. It's fair to say, but it, it, you know, talking about it just now, it seems incredible to think that the studios think that they can proceed beyond a, a fairly short period without people to write these shows for them because. Without a writer, what is it? the the content just isn't going to be there? Are they are they genuinely just relying on hoping to exploit, you know, young people and take advantage of them, and hope they'll break the the picket line essentially? Yeah, I mean, here's here's the thing: the the dark side of this, from their perspective, is look, we've been paying these people so little for so long. How long can they actually strike before they come crawling back? Mm-hmm. And that's the dark side of this: is that. You know, the, you, it's it's one of the things that, you know, uh, having made a couple of feature films, being able to look down the barrel and go, of course, I can go three months, six months and still be able to feed my family. The thing is, is most of the writers I know can't. And so they're hoping that that pressure puts pressure on the guild to settle um, in ways that we don't want to settle. Um, and so there's there's that element to it. Um, they 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 really do. You know, the thing is, is that we we one of the things a bunch of us have repeated to each other is we should have done this three years ago and we had planned on doing this three years ago. All this stuff was on the table three years ago. Um, But three years ago was the beginning of the pandemic. It was the shutdown. (laughs) Hollywood was completely shut down. Everyone was staying at home. It didn't feel like a strike would be a effective or be in good taste considering the fears that everyone was going through worldwide. And so we kicked the can down the road for three years and told them, Hey, we're going to be back in three years get ready for this because you guys have gone 15 years without having to pay the rates that you should have been paying. And now they're going, nope, we, we want to keep kicking this down as long as we can. Uh, the, the best way I heard something about this described was uh, describing tech bros and the law. And, uh, and keep in mind, these are a lot of tech companies um, uh, that are doing this. And the thing about tech bros is that they consider the law a negotiating point. That that's where we start. And from there, we'll negotiate. The law says we're obligated to do this and this and this, but we can negotiate that. We can, we can get that done. We can go ahead and break a couple laws and pay a couple fines to make even more money. And so that's what they're kind of doing now is you're seeing these companies going, sure, you're, so many of the writers are making poverty wages. Sure, 50% of the WGA is making uh, the guild minimum that you know that being paid the minimum wage that writers can be paid um but certainly we can get away with that a little longer right and continue to make more money until we're forced to well this is the time where we're going you're going to be forced to and at the same time we just had a huge huge meeting in which all the guilds showed up SAG-AFTRA the Teamsters the DGA and they all came and said yeah it's time we all start getting paid what we're worth here with these streamers and we're all in this the dga has a um uh has their uh 
deal expire at the end of June. So what happens when directors aren't there to direct the non-written yeah. scripts? Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've got the Teamsters who are 100% behind us and God bless them. They refuse to cross picket lines. So there's a lot of shows that aren't being able to film right now because the Teamsters won't cross a picket line. Um, so we, we've got a lot of support and they think they have time on their side. And I think they don't realize that this is the time for a huge sea change. And it's, and you know, we've got two generations, millennials and generation Z who are more pro union than any generation yeah. since the 1930s. Um, so we have a lot of momentum on our side that they, I don't think they're prepared for. Well, that's interesting because I mean, back in 2007, you know, I wanted to ask you about the kind of impact on non-striking staff because you've got people who aren't writers but work on shows like Stephen Colbert, Jimmy Fallon, etc., who are obviously impacted by the show can't go ahead, but they're not part of the union. They're, they're not on strike themselves. And I know that last time, you know, Jimmy Kimmel was paying people of his own pocket to keep them going and stuff. But it sounds like this time it's maybe a little bit different in that you've got different unions kind of joining together across different parts of the industry. Yeah, and no, nobody's happy that they're out of work. And you know, nobody's happy that they're putting people out of work. One of the things a lot of us keep saying, uh, and and we will keep keep repeating, is we don't want to strike. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm in the middle of making a movie here in the the UK. I can no longer act as writer anymore. I'm uh, I'm a, what we call a hyphen, and I'm also a producer. So half of my job, I can't do anymore, and I hate it. I hate it. I want to be able to touch the script. I want to get my grubby little paws on it and make the script better. And I can't do that anymore. We want to work. I want all my brothers and sisters in Hollywood from, you know, from our PAs on up uh, to be able to work. And so we're all pulling together and saying, this is about all of us because we know once we accomplish this, the other guilds uh, and unions behind us are also going to be able to get what they deserve from these deals because they followed in our mold later, but nobody got the deal we got. And now everybody's going, this year is our time. And okay. so, so them pulling together isn't just about supporting us. It's the fact that we're going to get their back when it comes time uh, for them to get their deal. And so what you're seeing is all of Hollywood pull together to fight literally the billionaires who yeah. are saying, I need a little more. I just need a little more. <laughs> when you look, when you look at what we're asking for um, monetarily versus what they offered, it's ridiculous. Um, the, you know, the, the percentages don't, don't lie. Yeah. We're, we're the people who write your movies and your television. And all we're asking for is 2% of the profits. Um, not even 2% of the gross, 2% of the net. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's what we're asking for so that we can pull a bunch of our young writers out of poverty. And I don't think that's, a, that's too much to ask. Yeah. No, it definitely isn't. Well, um, thanks very much for that. But before we let you go, we did, you, you did mention you're in the UK just now. You're, you're filming a movie. Are you able to tell us a little bit about what you're working on just now? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's not, this isn't a secret. It's, it's been out there. We're working on a movie temporarily called The Gorge. Uh, it stars Miles Teller, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, Sigourney Weaver, um it is uh wow, a cast oh it's you're telling me <laughs> <laughs> uh it's uh yeah we're uh we're really proud of it uh it's a really cool derrickson cargill movie um we're doing it Thanks. with skydance and uh it is a science fiction love story um and uh as you'd imagine from uh derrickson and cargill we get a little weird with it so uh <laughs> 
uh, we're it's going to hopefully come out sometime next year. Um, we we were we knew what we were getting into, and we knew how serious this was, so we did all the major dialogue scenes early. Uh, so now we're shooting all the action, the stuff that I'm normally sitting around bored to tears. Uh, it's being a writer on a movie set during an action scene is one of the most boring jobs you can have. You literally sit there in front of the monitor, and Scott looks over and goes, "What do you think?" Can I go? <laughs> and that was my job for the day and uh so so uh it's uh, it's uh it's going very well though and we're very mm. we're very happy with it how, how sci-fi is is it kind of aliens type sci-fi like hard sci-fi or is it more lighter i can't really say much but i will say hard sci-fi nice. you know you, what you're it's asking going to be for even a hard sci-fi movie is a, it's it's is gonna nice be combo. It's going to be a hard sci-fi movie. That's the one thing I can say that I know Scott won't be upset at me about. Uh, but uh, And Skydance will be like, yeah, you could say that. But yeah, it is definitely when you hear what it's about, when you see it, you'll be like, oh, this is not a, oh, they had a cute little idea and it's mostly a normal movie. No, no, no. This is, uh, this is a big science fiction movie. Is it Aliens X. 5? Is it Alien 5? Can you tell us <laughs> if it is? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, th- Thanks very much, Cargo. That was that was a really good chat. That was fantastic. That was thanks. that was really really interesting, man. Well, thanks for having me, guys, and thanks for helping get the word out on this. This is yeah. uh, it's really important that the public knows what's really going on oh, and, and why why we're doing this. And so it means a lot that you guys are covering it. Well, thanks very much to Cargo for joining us on today's episode. I found that really informative, and I think it's always really important, really, to to get someone who is an expert in that industry who's directly affected by these things to to talk about it and i think he really helped us understand some of the issues there or he certainly did me anyway yeah no it was it was fantastic and i think you know as he said if you do want to show your support by cancelling your netflix or your amazon prime subscription for a month or two you know let them know why you're doing it put it in the box when you can when you cancel if you want to show your support make sure you show your support by writing it down yeah, definitely. There's, there is that little box that pops up, just say supporting the, the WGA strike in there so that they get the message and hopefully yeah. bring this to an end sooner so that we can get back to some great content. Nobody um, wants another season two of Heroes. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, or a season three, four or five of Heroes. <laughs> just cancel Heroes, it's fine, we're done. Exactly. <laughs> And I should say that obviously this is such an important issue that it's a topic that we're going to come back to on Page One Extra. Uh, we're going to keep you up to date with what's happening in the strike. If we can, we'll get more guests on to tell us about what's happening uh, between the Writers Guild and the AMPT, uh, PTP, I think it is. Uh, and yeah, so stay tuned because we may have more episodes on this very topic dropping very soon. And all that's left now is to say thank you for joining us on this special episode of Page One Extra. Don't forget you can watch every episode of this podcast and our regular interview series, Page One, The Writer's Podcast, on our YouTube channel, or you can download it as a podcast on your favourite podcast app by just searching for Page One Extra. And as ever, it would be a huge help to us if you could subscribe to us on YouTube or follow us on your favourite podcast app. Give us that thumbs up, give us a rating and review uh, five stars are always very welcome. Standard. But, <laughs> exactly. With uh, this Page One Extra project in particular, we're just starting it, so it really does help us climb charts and attract more guests if we can get good support from the start. So we'd really appreciate that. In the meantime, you can always get in touch with us in the usual method, which is an email to podcast at rightgear.co.uk 
or a tweet in the Twitter machine, which is at UK page one, or you can use this newfangled Mastodon where we are writing dot exchange forward slash at page one pod. Tarek is very relieved that we don't yet have a Blue Sky account to add to that. There's, only, there's only so many social media accounts I can try to fit in here. One has to uh, go. I'll forget the Twitter handle after this. But if you're watching this on YouTube, you can, of course, leave a comment down below as well, and we'll be sure to respond to that. But otherwise, we hope to speak to you on Friday on the next episode of Page One, the Writer's Podcast, which will be another interview with a great writer. And we'll be back soon with more writing news and discussion of the burning topics affecting writers today. See you later.